John 1.14 says, The Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Our prayer is that you might see God's love and faithfulness as you listen to our Sunday morning message here at First Methodist Bryan. Our scripture reading for today comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 72, verses 17 through 19. Hear the word of the Lord. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. Then all nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who has done marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'm going to move the lectern a little bit. And I'm going to ask that you bow your head and let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. For the gift of the Bibles to the third graders today. I pray they would inspire everyone here who has a Bible to truly hide the Word of God in their heart so that we may not sin against you, but that we might learn to praise you, to follow you. Lord, today, I simply ask in these few moments we have set aside to teach the word that your Holy Spirit would come and lead us into all truth. Give us, truly give us ears so that we're not deaf to your voice. Give us eyes so that we can see you at work. Give us a heart, a heart that's willing to do whatever you, whatever you call us to do. That's my prayer today in the name of Jesus. Let the church say amen. He was a wounded soldier, and his name was Nicholas Herman, but that's not the name history knows him by. At the age of 16, during a battle, he saw a leafless tree in the battlefield, and somehow the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart, and he realized that that tree that was barren would come back to life in the spring. And that God, who was able to transform that tree, could transform his heart. It was a life-changing spiritual experience. Have you ever had a life-changing spiritual experience? This changed a 16-year-old's heart. But he was called to go and serve his country in war. So a few years later, and this is the year 1635, Nicholas fought against the Swedish army. He was captured by the Germans, and they were going to hang him for being a spy. But this man who describes himself as a big, burly, clumsy guy 
somehow, miraculously, they released him. And he went back and fought again for his country. This time in a battle just outside of his hometown. A battle at Ramblersville, Ramblersville, which is in eastern France. He was shot in the leg and he was lame for the rest of his life. At the age of 26, he became a friar and he joined, joined the order of the Carmelites. What, what is a Carmelite? That, that's not the latest flavor at Starbucks, trust me. A Carmelite is a, a lay person who's devoted their life to prayer and service of the Lord. So at the age of 26, this wounded soldier devoted himself to a life of prayer and service in Paris, France for the rest of his life until he died at age 77. And he is the man that has written perhaps the best book on prayer that you'll ever find. It's simply titled, The Practice of the Presence of God. If you've never read that little book, then your journey in the Christian life is not complete. You should order it and read the secrets of prayer that he discovered. We don't call him Nicholas Herman. Once he became a friar, he changed his name to Lawrence of the Resurrection. And we don't even call him that. We simply call him Brother Lawrence. That's the name this big old guy went by. Brother Lawrence. Here's what he wrote in his book. There is not in the world a kind of life more delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Those only can comprehend it who practice and experience it. Brother Andrew calls his brothers and sisters to a life of a conversation with God. And as believers in Jesus, our Messiah, Today, I want to bring you into this truth that we have the privilege of walking in the presence of God because He's given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. The very Spirit of Christ lives in us. We are the temple of God. And you can walk in His presence. You can walk in the Spirit but two major things have to be done. Number one, you need to be obedient and not quench the Spirit. And number two, you need to pray like Jesus. Pastor Jeremy and I have determined to spend time as pastors teaching our church how to pray. It's one of the most important spiritual disciplines you'll ever, ever use. And so we've embarked on a journey for a few weeks, and I want to encourage you to go hear his excellent sermon from last week and this week, and you can get it on the church website. He's going to cover the same material, and I'm going to cover it. We're just going to do it from a little different angle. I hope that you'll do that, because our prayer in all of this, and the prayer of Pastor Augusto, 
and our staff is that we have a revival of prayer in our church. I've lived long enough to know this is true. No matter how hard you work, unless God blesses that work as an answer to prayer, you really have no fruit. And that's what I'm praying for. We observed last week that Jesus did some specific things before he ever began to pray. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house. He went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus set the example for us in all things. Amen? Amen? He set the example for us in how we should go about praying. He set aside a time and a place every day. If he's doing it, his disciples, that's you, we should be doing it. We should be repenting of our prayerlessness, which is one of the reasons why we're weak in our walk of faith. Last week at the end of the sermon, I asked you to set aside a time and a place and to pray every day. I, I'm afraid to even ask you to show me your hands who did that. Why don't we just do this? I'm going to ask you again. And I'm going to keep asking you. Just like the guy, actually several people who've, who've been calling my wife. As she gets closer to the age of Medicare, she's getting 10, 15 phone calls a week. Can I get a witness? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to keep asking you, have you set aside a time and a place? And have you prayed? And we're going to learn how to pray the Lord's Prayer as a pattern. And we're going to use, we're going to use an acronym. Y'all know me. Y'all know I love acronyms. I love them too much. One of them is PUSH. You ever heard the acronym PUSH? P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens. I believe in that one. I love the acronym FROG. FROG, fully rely on God. Amen. The acronym we're going to teach you comes from Pete Gregg, who works with navigators and part of the international 24-7 prayer movement. This outline is available for you in the back, in the narthex, on a table. So you can pick it up today. You're going to see it on screen, and it's the word pray, standing for pause, rejoice, ask, and yield, which includes confession. That's going to be the outline that we use as a pattern to pray. Today we're going to focus on pause, because pause is the prelude. Pause leads you to the very purpose of prayer, which is fellowship and praise. But first, I want to be clear about the outline that we're using. This template, P-R-A-Y, is not a technique. 
It's just a pattern based loosely on the Lord's Prayer. It allows us to be able to remember how we want to enter into fellowship with the Lord through prayer. And isn't that the entire purpose of prayer, that you might have fellowship with Jesus who loved you so much, he gave his life for you. I'm not giving you a technique. Brother Lawrence spent his life in prayer. This is what he said about techniques in his book. I have abandoned all particular forms of devotion, all prayer techniques. My only prayer practice is attention. I carry on a habitual, silent, and secret conversation with God that fills me with overwhelming joy. That's what I want for you. Not teaching you a technique. I want you to have real fellowship. And that is afforded us through the privilege of prayer. We have the privilege of going to the throne of God to pray. Jeremy, when I was a student at Asbury Seminary, decades before you, I hate to say how many, I got to take some electives. And one of them was I developed my own course one semester on prayer and spiritual discipline. I worked with a professor, and he and I laid out the 12 books I would read, so one a week, and the journal, journaling I would do, and, and, and I had a goal, which was to learn the biblical practices of prayer and find one that worked for me, because I've always wanted to pray better. Don't you? How many people want to pray better? So I did that, and, and I read and read, and there was one particular technique by Dick Eastman where you took an hour clock and you divided it up into five minutes, and every five minutes you spent time, five minutes of praise and five minutes of thanksgiving and five minutes of confession and five minutes of intercession, and you went through a whole hour that way. And one of the things I learned from that is that is a terrible way to pray. It's just horrible. Do you guys talk to your spouse that way? Karen, you got five minutes. Go. Y'all know how long that would last? That's not the way to pray. It's not the way to have a conversation. Prayer is supposed to be a conversation, a holy conversation between you and your Savior. It should be as if Jesus has entered the room and sat down in a chair and said, hey, let's talk. That's the way I envision prayer. The first part, the first part is you have to set aside a time and a place. That's what the P stands for. It stands for pause, stop. My, uh, Youngest son gave me a gift that I treasure. Sean Wesley Sitton. 
gave me a, a gift that I have right where I shave. And y'all know I'm only halfway doing that now. So I got a, a sign that he gave me because he knows me. He knows I, I live my life pretty much singing that great old song from Alabama. I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. So he gave me a sign. It's a big stop sign in my bathroom. I put it up. But it says underneath, stop, enjoy your life. When I see that sign, it reminds me, if I haven't already, stop, pause, pray. Because my greatest joy is just to be with him, to be with the Lord. So, brothers and sisters, we have to pause, and that pause is the prelude to prayer. It's the prelude to praising Him. You're going to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you when you finally quiet yourself. You'll hear the Spirit say something like, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. That doesn't mean that you have to find a quiet place to pray. If you pray as you walk, keep walking. If you pray as you drive, keep praying as you drive, but please keep your eyes open. Just hear the Lord speak to your heart. The purpose of the pause is that prelude moment before you can begin to enter into his presence and to give him the praise that's due his name. Everything that you have, including the breath in your lungs, came from the Lord. The creator of the entire universe invites you to a time to have a conversation. And when that happens, you're, you should rejoice. That's what the R stands for in pray. P is for pause. R is for rejoice. And when you rejoice, you give him praise. You give him thanks. You exalt his name. You magnify his name. So you should know the word of God so that scripture can pour out of you and you can begin to say, my tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praises all day long. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God on his holy mountain. Sing the glory of his name. That's one of my favorite verses. Sometimes when I'm praying, I will begin to sing God's praises. And that's a great time because nobody else can hear me just God and he's not very critical and I'm thankful for that I just want to pour out my praise so when I'm praying the Lord's Prayer and I get to that word holy hallowed be thy name there are many songs I can think of where I just begin to sing holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty when you begin to pray the Lord's Prayer pattern and you begin to rejoice, you're going to come face to face 
with God and who he is. And there's a, there's a, a slide up that gives you just some of the names of God. There are so many that you can begin to praise him for who he is and what he does. There are so many descriptions of the Lord, but the best one, the one Jesus gave us, the most unique, one never ever taught before, is Jesus said we can call him Father. That's why it's such a privilege to go into prayer and call him Father. What a joy. We share a personal word today. I know not everybody's had a perfect father. There's no such thing as a perfect father. I love my dad. He's not perfect and I'm not perfect. I understand from family history. My dad was arrested for attempted murder in a bar fight before I was born. Thanks be to God that there were no consequences for that and I was born or I wouldn't be here today. My father was a pretty tough and rough guy and drank a lot. But I always knew something. I always knew that he loved me. And he loved me unconditionally. Do you know that about your heavenly father? That he loves you and he loves you unconditionally. My earthly father, I think, could go a whole day and never say three words. A quiet man you've never met more. Our heavenly father. He wants to talk with you. Some people will criticize Christians and say prayer is nothing but self-talk. You're just talking to yourself in your head. But as Brother Lawrence said, until you experience it yourself, you just don't get it. Our Father invites you to come and sit a while and have a conversation. And when that conversation begins, it ought to begin with rejoicing. What a privilege we have to call him Father. What does the Bible say about that? Well, the Old Testament actually does use the word Father a couple of times to describe God. It's not often. But the New Testament, the New Testament's a revelation. Jesus is inviting us into a relationship with God that is real and that is personal and that is only because you are his child. It's Jesus who calls God Abba, Father. It's Jesus who teaches us to pray to God as our Father. It's the Spirit of the Son of God who leads us into a closer fellowship with God as our own Father. As our Father, God cares for us and provides for us. And when you ask for bread, he will not give you a stone. 
as our Father, the Lord, hears us and answers our prayers. And it's a great delight for him to answer the prayers of his children. As our Father, the Lord disciplines us because he loves us just like an earthly father would. As our Father, God receives us and forgives us just like the father of the prodigal son who sat on the porch day by day waiting for his son to come home in repentance so he could forgive him and put his arms around him. That's our father. Hallelujah. Scholarly research concluded that until Jesus, there's not a single reference of a Jewish rabbi addressing God directly in the first person as Father. That's because Jesus, as the Son of God, knew his Father. He said, my Father and I are one. Until you are born of the Spirit, in other words, born again, and you have saving faith in Christ, you do not have the right to call him your Father. To be a child of God means you have to be adopted into the family of God. All people are created by God. All people are loved by God. But there are only those who are adopted into God's family that have the right and privilege to call him Father. What a privilege we have to enter into prayer. Here's what Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and 15 says about this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That means if you're not led by the Spirit of God, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a child of God. Verse 15, the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. As a child of God, you have the greatest privilege. And I have a heart to do one thing today and in this sermon series with Pastor Jeremy, to get you, as God's children, to understand what a great great privilege you have to pause and to rejoice and to pray every day. Be still and know that I am God. The passage that Pastor Jeremy read, you should memorize and include it in your prayers. It simply says, praise be to his glorious name forever. When I am praying at the beginning, I'm often focused on various names of God. But I just want to praise his name forever and the whole earth be filled with his glory. Brothers and sisters, you've been adopted into God's family by grace through faith. You are a child of God. That's who you are. That's why you have the privilege to come and pray. I don't know of anything more important that I can teach my brothers and sisters in Christ except the power of prayer and to practice His presence. So I'm going to end 
by asking a very personal question. How's your prayer life? Is it where you want it to be? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? What could you do different? Will you set aside a time and a place? Pause. Stop. Stop your busy lives. And enter into His presence and rejoice. Give Him praise. When you begin to praise God, something happens. You begin to sense His presence and His power. You begin to enter into fellowship with Him. And you begin to be strengthened inside your soul. That's what happens when you begin to praise Him. You are building up your own spirit. I would tell you, as I told you at the end of last week's sermon, three simple sentences that I try to keep in my mind when I'm praying. Are you ready for them? They're going to be on screen for you. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it up. If I try to go to the Lord and impress Him with my many words, get out. He just wants you to keep it simple and keep it real and keep it up. I want to end this sermon with an invitation to you. Your Father, your Father has a time and a place where He would like to have a conversation with you every day of your life. <laughs> You're wanting to go to heaven where we're going to be doing it all the time. You ought to get a taste of it now. Your Father, your Father, who's adopted you into His family, just wants to sit down and say, let's talk. Prayer is a dialogue. It's not just a monologue where you're going to be talking and He does all the listening, but the Lord's a great listener but it's also where the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. I want to challenge you this week to set aside a time and a place. And I'm going to ask you next week, how's your prayer life? How's that going for you? Let's pray. Lord, you set the example for us on how to pray. When the disciples asked you, you told them how, but you already showed them how. You set aside a place and a time, but you also walked in the very presence of your Father. Lord, we realize that we should be praying without ceasing, but we also know that we need to set aside that time is a precious moment in our life. I pray for my brothers and sisters that they would make that commitment every day this week, that they would keep it real, that they would keep it simple, and they would keep it up. May the Holy Spirit stir 
a revival of prayer in this church with each person in this holy place. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening with us. We hope that you have encountered the risen Jesus today. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing. We would also welcome you to join us in person. For more information, please visit us at fmcbryan.org.